Welcome to Crazy Good Talks with Deirdre Van Nest. In this podcast, we help growth-oriented financial advisors, leaders, sales professionals, and experts stand out and own the room every time they speak. Deirdre will empower you to grab and keep the attention of any audience, live or virtual, make emotional connections with your listeners, and inspire them to take action. Join us on this journey where Deirdre will empower you to become a more confident presenter and knock it out of the park when you speak. Tell me about yourself, but no, 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 not too much information. In a professional setting, there is a fine line between sharing and overdoing the personal information. You want to open up, show people who you are. But Deirdre, really, where is the stop sign? You don't want people squirming in their seats and looking for the exit. It would be so great if there was a stop sign, Patrice. <laughs> one of the uh, one of the concepts people find confusing and rightly so is how to be vulnerable in business. When I work with clients and I bring up the subject of vulnerability, most say, "Yes, I've heard I should be vulnerable," and "No, I have no clue how to do that appropriately in a professional setting." And this is a problem. Why? So Patrice, have you ever listened to someone speak? This could be in a presentation, a video, a one-on-one conversation and thought, ooh, I did not need to know that about you. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. And like say, you, yes. you squirm a little bit and you think, ooh, it, this is not good. Exactly. Oh. And that's happened to me too. And I think that's happened to you, our listeners. You know, most people have had that experience and we call that experience TMI, <laughs> too much information. So what likely happened there is somewhere along the line, this very well-meaning professional was told, if you show vulnerability, people will connect with you. And so they share experiences from their life that demonstrate vulnerability. And later on, they're congratulating themselves. They're, They're thinking, oh, this is great. I was vulnerable. I did what I was told. But they're completely unaware that they totally missed the mark with their message because they made their listeners or their readers, this can be done in writing as well, uncomfortable. And in fact, they may have even turned people off. Mm -hmm. And this person, what they did is they engaged in what I call gratuitous vulnerability. And gratuitous vulnerability is just adding in vulnerability for the sake of adding in vulnerability. So here's here's the, the first principle of vulnerability in a professional setting. Don't be vulnerable just to be vulnerable. But then, okay, we go back to the question, where is the line? How do you know when too much is too much? Yeah, that's such a good question. And the line is in an interesting place. See, most people think it has to do with the content they share. And that's typically not where the line is. Now, I want to give a caveat to that. Some things we obviously don't share in a professional setting, okay? And I'm going to assume that you, my listener, are are well-attuned and self-aware to know the, the subjects that would be completely inappropriate, okay? But for most of the subjects, vulnerability in a professional setting is appropriate when what you are sharing directly connects with the point you are making. Mm-hmm. What you are sharing is within the context of your message. And if it does not connect, it's inappropriate and it will be seen as TMI. And I'm going to demonstrate uh, something a little later on to, to show what I mean. Okay. Okay. Now, 
the caveat here, though, is what I'm not talking about is, you know, let's say you have a relationship with your team. Let's say you're a leader at a company and you have your a relationship with a team or you're, you know, you're a professional, you're a, you're a financial advisor, you're a speaker, a consultant, and you actually are getting to know some of your clients or team members more on a personal basis. And let's say you go out for lunch or happy hour and you're just sharing stories from your life simply because you're connecting that's a different situation. That That's getting more on the personal side. Yeah, that's not a, a professional presentation there. Exactly. What I'm talking about is when you are delivering a professional presentation, whether you're delivering a five-minute update in a team meeting, whether it's a 60-minute training, um, you're at a networking group and you're just talking for a minute, you're writing a white paper. I'm talking about that type of scenario. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So first, let's take a step back. Why be vulnerable? Like, what is the point in this? Well, you are vulnerable to make people more comfortable with you. I mean, that's the bottom line. Think about this, Patrice. Have you ever met someone? Have you ever had someone actually in your life where it took a little time to get to know them? Like they, they, they seemed a little maybe aloof and you kind of couldn't figure them out. And then, and, and so it felt like there was maybe this sort of distance between you. And then one day they kind of break down or they share something that has a, a degree of vulnerability. And you think, oh, I actually like this person more now than I did 10 minutes ago. And you have a better idea. Well, you can identify with them, maybe. Exactly. Exactly. That's happened to me multiple times in my life. Yeah. And so when you're vulnerable in an appropriate way, you will connect better with people. They will be more comfortable yeah. with you. Right? Yeah. So the point of being vulnerable is so that they're more comfortable with you. It's to increase trust, connection, and likability. And you're not doing that to manipulate them. You're doing that so that they will buy into your product, services, and ideas. And again, not with the aim of, ooh, I want to manipulate this person to buy into my product, services, and ideas. It's no, it's this. The come from is, I know I offer a service that's life-changing. I know that I have an idea that will make doing business for them. I know that I have a product that can make them feel better. Whatever it is, you believe you have their best interest at heart. And if so, you want to use strategies that will allow people to open up to you, to connect with you and be willing to learn from you. Does that make sense? It does. It does. But then the question becomes, okay. how, 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 how? Okay, great. So there's two ways. There's two ways to show your vulnerability. The first is by showing your warts. <laughs> Does that sound, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if my East Coast accent like makes that word sound weird. W-A-R-T-S, warts. Warts, okay? that's it, baby. I've got it. Warts. <laughs> Show your warts. All right, what on earth do I mean? Well, here's what I mean. When I speak, when I write, when I talk one-on-one -on -one with clients, you know, when I do it in a group, I will purposely drop lines about how I once was or am currently similar to them. So let me give you an example. When I am talking to people who have identified that they are afraid to speak, right? It makes mm -hmm, them nervous. Mm -hmm. They don't want to do it. What I will purposely say is, I used to be terrified to speak. I actually avoided the stage for 24 years. Now, why do you think I share that work with them? Because then you are like them and you have progressed. You've gotten to a point where they want to be. They see yes. that you have done it which means they can do it. Exactly. And and yes, and and the, and the first key is showing that you are like them. 
right? This is key. Um, my One of my mentors, Greg Valentine, always says, people cannot see you as special. You don't want your audience or your listener to see you as special. Yes, you want them to see you as an expert they can learn from, but not special on a pedestal, not special in an ivory tower. People must know you can relate to their struggles. If they think you're in an ivory tower, they are less likely to like you, less likely to trust you, less likely to take your advice, meaning they're less likely to work with you. Let me give two more examples. So the first is I have a formula um, and actually, we we I talked about this formula in episode 17 and 18. It's called the CETA formula. And it's a four-part formula to teach you how to put your content together, whether you're talking for five minutes or five hours, whether you're writing a book, you're writing a white paper, hosting a podcast. But how do you put your words and ideas together in a way that's super engaging, right? So people are paying mm-hmm. attention to you. Mm-hmm. And when I teach my private clients the formula they struggle. It's, it's, it's not a light lift. It does take a level of intentionality, determination, and time to really master this formula. And so imagine, Patrice, if I was all over them saying, what is wrong with you? Like, this is not that hard. Just come on, you can do this. Like, just put your mind to it. Put some time in. No, you're turning them off. They're, they're, they're I, not going to, they will fail. They will fail. So what I tell them is my my truth. What happened for me is I say, you know what? Years ago, over a decade ago, my mentor taught me his version of this formula. And when I was learning it, I hated it. I actually already was getting paid pretty well for keynoting. And I thought, why do I need this formula? Like this is making my life more complicated. But I was training to be one of his coaches and I knew I needed to get with the program and walk his talk. And so I dug in and I made myself learn the formula. And once I mastered it. I was like, oh my gosh, my mm-hmm. content is 100% better than it used to be, 100% better. And so then what I did was I changed his formula so that it spoke to the way I learn best and the way I think my clients need to learn. And now I'm teaching you the formula. So I understand if you're struggling, believe me, I get it. I've been there. Just like go with the struggle. The struggle is real. Mm-hmm. But I promise you, if you keep at it, you will get this and it will be worth it. But do you hear the difference there? I, I, I do, I do. But I'm thinking, yeah. okay, well, what if I haven't had that problem? Ah, yes, yes, yes. So let me let me go back to one other example, and then I'm going to go to if okay. you haven't had that problem. And I love this example. So the late, great Larry Wilson. Larry is a legend in the speaking and training world. He wrote, one of the, he wrote a lot of books, but the one that is one of my favorites, and I really work to live my life by, is called Play to Win. So if you've never read the book Play to Win, I want to encourage you to run out and get that book. It is, it is phenomenal. So we're having a conversation and he's just like an icon. He's an amazing speaker. And he said, one of the things that I do, because I never want my audience to think I'm special and set apart and on this ivory tower, is I will purposely mispronounce a word or I will purposely pretend to forget what I was going to say next. <laughs> All right. All right. He's human. Because he's, he's I want human. them to see that I'm human. Yeah. And he had reached a level of mastery that that humanity maybe wasn't going to come out in this presentation. Does that make sense? Because yes. he was so good. Yes. And and so that puts people at ease. I know that's, that's like such a weird thing, especially when you're in a when you've been in a profession and you've been taught, oh my gosh, never let them see you sweat, and everything has to look buttoned up and perfect, you know, perfect and professional. And we're not saying be unprofessional, and we're not saying like air all your dirty laundry, but we are saying appropriately share your warts. 
So let's go back to your question. Mm-hmm. Like, what if that, what if that hadn't personally happened to you? So let's say maybe you're a financial advisor and you've always been great with finances and money. Like you, your stuff's locked and loaded. All your ducks are, <laughs> are in a row. You don't have so any financial warts. Exactly. There's no warts, you know? So what you could do in a scenario like that is maybe you're talking to a client or maybe you're teaching a class and you're talking about the importance of creating and then sticking to a financial plan. And you don't want to sound preachy, like, come on, you you just do this thing, do Mm -hmm. this thing, right? It's easy, blah, 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 whatever. So you might say something like, listen, I get it. Sticking to a plan is hard. And there are areas in my life, such as with exercise, where I struggle to stay focused and stick to a plan. And that's why I work with a trainer to help me stay accountable to my goals. So you don't, your wart doesn't have to be the exact same thing they're struggling with. You can share a wart from a totally different area of your life that's similar to the struggle, right? like staying accountable. It doesn't have to be the same subject matter. Gotcha. That makes perfect sense. Okay. Yep. So the second way to show vulnerability, and this, this quite frankly, is the most powerful way, is storytelling. And I just want to give a little shout out. Episodes five and six is where I go deep into storytelling and I share the three types of stories mm-hmm. and some tips and tricks on how to craft these stories. But as a quick review, because it's relevant to the point I'm about to make, the three story types are your why story. Your why story is sharing why you do what you do why you care about the people that you work with. The second type of story is called a desire story. And that's a story about clients or a client who's gotten great results working with you. The third type of story is a story to to make a point, to illustrate a point or to teach. So the two story types of those three that are ripe for demonstrating vulnerability are your why story or a story to make a point. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share one of my why stories and show you how I must connect my story to the point I'm making or telling this story will seem weird, quite okay. honestly. It will it will seem like TMI, it's going to seem too personal. And even if my listeners are interested, they're going to be feeling like this is a waste of their time. And it's like the speaker being indulgent. Hmm. Feeling sorry so for themselves? Um, yeah, not uh, maybe feeling sorry, but like, I'm just indulging in needing to hear myself talk and share about me. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let me give you the setup for the story. So you have context with a why story. There's two different types. There's what I call your umbrella why story and either a niche specific, niche specific or problem specific why story. And most professionals will need both. And you might have several niche-specific or problem-specific why stories. So an umbrella why story, let's take me, for example. My three types of clients that I typically work with are financial professionals, leaders of companies, and thought leaders. So I have a why story, an umbrella why story, that talks about why I love helping those groups of people be, you know, like great presenters, great storytellers in general. It's not specific to any one of those three groups. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's an umbrella wise story. I also have a niche specific why story for when I speak in the financial services industry. 
And I have that because I spend about 80% of my time there. So if you have a particular audience or you have a specific problem that you spend a lot of your time with or solving, you want to develop a niche specific why story. So I'm going to share the why story that I share when I present to or speak to people in the financial services industry. So let's pretend this is in the context of a group presentation. I've just taken the stage and my job that day, my presentation is all about how to stand out and own the room every time you speak. And I'm making this point that in order to help clients actually notice you, in order to cut through the noise, and in order to get them engaged and and taking your advice and doing business with you, you want to become a powerful presenter. You want to be able to make an emotional impact when you speak and you write. So I've opened it up. I've opened with a bang. And in episode four, we talk about like how to grab people right away from the first words out of your mouth. We call that opening with a bang. So if you haven't heard that episode, it's a great episode. I highly, it's actually our most listened to episode. So I highly encourage you to listen to it. We can link to it in the show notes, but, but you're going to open with a bang. And then I'm going to give what I call a roadmap and a roadmap's an agenda. I'm basically telling the audience, Hey, this is where I'm going to take you today. This is what you're going to learn. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I go through the three things they're going to learn. And I might say something like, but first, I want to take about three minutes and share with you why I do what I do and why I care so much about you being the most emotionally impactful communicator you can possibly be. So come back with me to May 24th, 1980. It was a beautiful spring night in Chappaqua, New York. It was one of those nights where you just felt really good to be alive. You know, those nights where kids are outside playing ball or tag, and you could hear their laughter from your open windows. A young couple, Ray and Karen San Severino, were getting all gussied up to go on a date in Manhattan. And while they were getting dressed, Karen turned to Ray and said, honey, you know, I've loved being home with the girls the last 10 years, but I'm ready to go back to work. And I want to talk with you about my ideas on the car ride down. Ray turned to Karen and said, all right, that'd be interesting. At about seven o'clock that night, they took off with Karen behind the wheel of their pride and joy, a very snazzy 1980 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. And as they're driving out of the neighborhood, they see their oldest daughter. She was one of the kids outside playing tag. So their daughter sees them. She comes rushing over to the car and gives Karen a kiss goodbye and says, bye, mommy. And then she runs around to the other side of the car, gives her dad a kiss and says, bye, daddy, and then runs back around to Karen for one more kiss. Before they leave, Karen turns to her and says, okay, sweetie, we love you too. Be good for the sitter. We'll see you in the morning. And on their way, they went. About four minutes later, Karen pulls the car up to an intersection at a four-lane highway. It was a red light. She turns off the radio, turns to Ray and says, I want to talk with you about what I want to do for the rest of my life. At this point, the light turns green. Karen pulls the car into the intersection and they are T-boned by another car running the red at 90 miles an hour. Little did she know, the rest of her life had just happened. Now, Ray, on the other hand, upon impact, was thrown through the passenger side windshield. He flew 60 feet in the air and landed on the other side of the four-lane highway. 
In fact, he was so far from the accident scene, the rescue workers didn't even know he'd been in the car until they were packed to leave. It wasn't until one of them said, what's that pile of clothes doing on the other side of the highway that they found him? That pile of clothes was Ray's broken body. Thankfully, due to divine intervention and heroic medical efforts, Ray lived. He was in a hospital for many weeks. He was out of work for many months, but eventually he was able to go back to work and care for his girls. Now, right about now, you might be wondering, Deirdre, how do you know this story? Well, I know this story because Ray is my dad. Karen is my mom. And I was their 10-year-old daughter. So thank you for listening to that. Now let's jump into the first principle in grabbing your audience's attention from the first words out of your mouth. I feel the story, Deirdre. But I hate to say this, why did you share that? Yeah, right? I mean, you're sitting there as a financial advisor, and I'm saying, I want to tell you why I want to help you. Did you make any connection to why I want to help you? No. No, right? I mean, it, it sounded like I was just telling a story about me. And you were. And I was. But that was gratuitous vulnerability because there was no connection to the audience and the point that I'm trying to make. Let me share now what needs to happen and what I always do when I share that story to connect the story with my listener and the point that I'm making. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to go back to where I say, um, you might be wondering, Deirdre, how do you know this story? Okay. Mm -hmm. So I just told you that, that Ray is, uh, you know, dying intervention, heroic medical efforts. He lives and he's able to take care of his girls. And then I'll, and then I say, so right about now, you're probably wondering two things. The first is Deirdre, how do you know this story? So I know this story because Ray is my dad. Karen was my mom and I was their 10-year-old daughter. The second question is, Deirdre, why are you telling me this story? And what does this have to do with me? So this is something when you're sharing stories, you have to be so obvious about the reason. You mm-hmm. cannot assume that people know the reason intuitively. They don't. Trust me. I've done this so many times that I know unless you connect the dots. And that's why you want to say something like, so what's the point of the story? Why am I telling you this story? Mm-hmm. What's the purpose of this? Okay. Don't be afraid to add those lines. And, and you should. Generally, when I'm telling stories, I will say, and the point is, And the reason why I'm telling you this is, and why this matters to you, you have to make sure you say that. So what I usually say is, your question is, Deirdre, what does this have to do with me and why you want to help me? And then I move on to this, which is making the connection. And I call this the outcome. You have to share the outcome that experience had on your life and how that translated into you wanting to help the person or persons in front of you. Does that make sense, Patrice, before I go into demonstrating how it sounds? It does, but are they going to sit through the story waiting to find out why you're telling it? As long as the story is good. True, very true, and that is a powerful right? story. So that's why the story has to be really well-crafted. That's mm-hmm. why we, we, we teach storytelling, and that's why we, we now write stories for our clients. 
because the story has to be really, it has to be masterfully crafted and Mm -hmm. delivered. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So then I say, as you can imagine, losing my mom like this has had a really big impact on my life in many ways. But, but here are the two reasons why this experience in my life motivates me to help you be the best communicator you can possibly be. So the first is one of the silver linings in my situation was that we were not adversely affected financially from losing my mom and my dad being out of work. Like we, we, my family was able to still manage with that loss of income and loss of life. And I cannot explain how grateful I am for that. I don't think I knew it at the time because I was a kid, but looking back, oh my gosh, what a bullet did we dodge? Because I can't imagine how people heal, how they grieve, how they put the pieces back together when they're so broken, if they're also heaping financial devastation on top of an already devastated family. And there's a lot of people who are in that situation or could be in that situation if they don't get your help. The second reason I'm motivated to help you is that as I got older and kind of understood what happened and where we could have been, and particularly when I started having kids, I became obsessive about my own financial planning, and I'm obsessive about sharing your message with people. So let me give you an example. When I found out I was pregnant with our first child, one of my very first thoughts went like this, huh, pregnant. All right. We got to get life insurance. We got to get it now. Yeah. And so before we knew if Annika was a boy or a girl, I had dragged my husband, Peter, to a financial planner like you. We sat down and started the planning process. And do you know what I later learned? That's not normal. That is not normal, right? Most people, unless they're you, they do your job. And I'm pretending, you know, I'm I'm talking to the advisors right Mm -hmm. now, right? Unless they do your job or they're like me, their life has changed in a snap. They're not thinking that way. They don't want to even have these conversations. And so that means there are countless Americans in your communities right now who are one tragedy away from total financial devastation. These are people with assets to invest and assets to protect, and they need your help. They need your product, your services, your coaching, your guidance. They need your help. And I know that the more compelling you are as a communicator, the more you can emotionally engage them and make an impact, the more likely you will get all of those people who would rather put off these planning conversations and decisions for someday, you can get them to have these conversations and make decisions today. And so my mission is to help you gain the skills to be able to do that. So with that, let's jump in to the first strategy for grabbing your listener's attention from the very first words out of your mouth. Not only have you grabbed your audience, you have energized your audience. Yes. Yes. So do you see the connection? Do you see how critical that connection point is? And I also see how critical it is, as you said, to, to show them, to explain, this is why I'm telling you this story. Yes. 
Yes. It's, it's just, it's critical, right? And making that connection is critical. And, and if you're afraid, like, let's say maybe your skill set at crafting stories isn't, isn't like super developed right now. And, and I do want to say it's a skill set. I mean, it, it's, it's a, it is a learned skill. So it is something you can learn. You'll, you'll want to make sure you're, you know, you have a, a good teacher and you'll want to put some time into it, but don't count yourself out like, oh, I'm not a great writer. I'm not this. I'm not that. No, you absolutely can learn this skill. But let's say you're kind of just starting out or you're not sure if you have to, you could illustrate, you could say, hey, this is a situation. And let me share an example of what that looked like in my life. If you're afraid you're going to lose them to your question, Patrice. Mm-hmm. But personally, for the why story, really our formula when we're crafting stories and working with clients is to is to write the story. And then somewhere towards the end, we're going to be really obvious and make that connection of here's why mm-hmm. we're telling you this. Here's why I just shared that with you. So to wrap things up, no gratuitous vulnerability, right? There's a purpose in a professional setting for vulnerability, and you're going to do it by sharing your warts or showing your warts. And that means you're just going to like kind of drop. You're just going to drop little lines here and there as appropriate. And you don't have to do it a lot. If you do it just once in a conversation or presentation, that's great. You, you might choose to do it more if, if the situation warrants it, but just show how you're similar to your audience. And then the second is demonstrating vulnerability and connection and humanity through story. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, I, I take a poll on my audience because I'm teaching about stories. So actually, I do this exercise where I have them rate me on a scale of zero to 10 before I share my why story, Patrice. And I say, okay, I want you to, I want you to write down the word before. And then on a scale of zero to 10, I want you to rate me on how connected do you feel to me right now? How much do you like me? And how much do you trust me? Mm-hmm. And then I tell the story. And then I say, okay, write down the word after, and I want you to re-rate me. And then I have the room stand if my score went up. And I've done this hundreds of times and 99%, if not 100% of the room stands. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yes. And then when I pull the room and I'm like, well, tell me why, why did you stand? They always say, because you showed vulnerability. You, mm. I felt connected to you. I, I connected with you on a human level. So this piece is really important, but if I, if, I, if I engaged in gratuitous vulnerability, those scores could actually go down and they certainly, w- certainly wouldn't go up. So the main takeaway here is just make sure whatever wart you're showing, whatever story you're telling, it's in service to your audience because it's connected to them and to the point you're making. And you do that, you are going to quickly build trust connection and likability, like it's nobody's business. Thank you so much, Deirdre. So if you're listening, tell your story and share your warts when it advances your point. But gratuitous vulnerability and extraneous information is not needed. Information you do need is included in every episode of the Crazy Good Talks podcast. So don't skip a show. Follow, subscribe, and comment. We want to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Good Talks podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered in this podcast represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Accelerated Performance, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.